0: love this podcast support this show through the Acast supporter feature it's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment just hit the link in the show description to support now hello
1: and welcome to the from the Finny podcast with ollie jimmy and me jake we're also joined by the peony reporter from lanx live george hodgson in this episode, we're going to touch briefly on yesterday's game, uh, the defeat of Watford. We've got a few different talking points and we've got a few different listener questions to answer and then we'll look ahead to Tuesday night's game against Bournemouth as well. So, enjoy. How are we, fellas? Are we
2: good? Not too yeah, bad. Not bad.
3: Considering. Smashing, Smashing mate.
2: Yes. It's just been one of them weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It has.
3: Uh,
1: before we crack on... Uh just want to remind everyone that you can support us here at From The Finney with a one-off donation, or if you want to make it a regular one, that's also appreciated. Uh, just visit supporter.acast.com forward slash From The Finney. And if you've got anything that you want plug in or anything that you want shouting out on the podcast, just let us know in the message section when you make your donation and we can sort something out for that. Um, yeah, the game yesterday... Uh, let's let's touch on that George I'll come to you first because you were there how was it being in the ground obviously I would imagine not great considering the result but
0: yeah just very sort of underwhelming because I, at half time I was even though we were losing I was quietly not not confident Not think confident's the word but I hadn't given up to get something from it because I think we'd have three very good chances um and just looked a bit like our old self. And compared to the Rovers game, I thought it was just a miles-based sort of improvement um, in terms of the actual performance. And then when we had the penalty turned down, I have to say, I thought their penalty at the time was a penalty, um, which obviously it wasn't, having seen in the replay. But uh, yeah, I didn't think, I thought that was the right call. But when we had the penalty turned down, which I think probably was on, on reflection, just like all the life sucks out of us, and... Um, not didn't I never accused of giving up, but I think that was a bit of a blow um, not to get that. And then that was at 3-1, wasn't it? And yeah. then it, the last 20 minutes were just a non-event, wasn't it? Um, fourth goal, kicking the teeth. Uh, 3-1, 4-1 doesn't make too much of a difference, does it? But yeah, just after a first half where we went in behind, um, I thought the second half was really underwhelming and a bit deflating against a strong team, which you have to say.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Massive improvement on Tuesday night. Um, I mean, it couldn't have got much worse, if we're honest. But I, th- I thought we actually gave Watford a decent game. In the first hour, probably, I'd say. Um, I think the goal we've conceded in the first half, it's preventable. Unfortunately, again, we've, we're saying that a goal is preventable from our point of view in terms of something we've conceded. Um, it's a good save by Deck in the first phase, but then we've got to do the second phase of play better than that. Um, and then I thought, you know, we've had some good chance, haven't we? I mean, they've scored after, what, 11 minutes, and we've had two half decent half chances before they've actually scored, you know, Potts and Maguire, um, and then, obviously, Bowers' chance at one nil as well, which, I suppose you want it to fall to anyone else, don't you, really, than Pat? It's just one of those where it, it, anyone else has that opportunity, you're probably hoping this in the back of the net, um, but then, obviously, conceding the penalty at at 1-0, five minutes after half-time. You know, we'd started brightly as well, the second half. And it's just, it's a bit of a kick in the teeth, really. It's um, it's very well won by Sar, but uh, Story, story
1: gives the ref a decision to make, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, and we've said it before, haven't we? You, you can't really go to ground in the box the way he did because it, it just gives the officials something to do, you know. Mm. And, you know, whilst Jared Gillett's a... A FIFA referee, or he wasn't until last year. I wasn't too impressed by him yesterday. I think he's the, the two big calls he's had to make, he's probably got both of them wrong. And that's disappointing for me. Um, yeah. And then, you know, it's a great goal that we've scored. You know, Pearson's assist, you could probably watch all day, but it's not been, shout- it's not been talked about enough because of the actual result. You know, a 45 a yard diag, it's, you know, straight to Sparky's feet it shows what we're going to be missing once he leaves the club yeah and um, and then like you just said there George as soon as becomes three and four sort of not some stuffing out of us didn't it really and it's it's sort of damage limitation he's taken the lads off to keep them hopefully fresh for Tuesday night so
3: yeah I think the, of, fir- the first goal for me was probably similar to the, the Huddersfield game we started with the back five and I think um, both wing backs would have overcompensating. obviously barky and DJ didn't get out quick enough yeah um, I think it was DJ's man to stop the cross and then Sinclair and Story get down at the back post. But I agree with everything Jimmy's just said there. The pass from Ben Pearson on a sixpence. Um it's not even a chance, is it? It's, it's just a 30 yard shot that takes a deflection. But I thought our approach was good. Like George said going into half time. Probably weren't confident but comfortable knowing that we'd probably, you know, approach the game the right way. Um, I think getting behind their full-backs, they were more or less 4-2-4 in attack. 5-4 in defence and just try and get behind their full-backs and attack quite quickly, which I thought we did quite well. Um, but they're just a miles better side than us. I think I saw last mm. night
1: their their squad cost around 70 million quid.
3: Yeah, they've won six and drawn one now at home. So, you know, you're up, against, you're, you're up against it with a full with a full squad. You know, that, that attack... Troy Deeney, to be fair, I probably didn't appreciate how good he actually was. Yeah, I thought he
0: was brilliant. Yeah.
3: yeah. I thought he was top class yesterday. Um, obviously, a lot said about him, but as an actual footballer, I think he was very decent. Obviously, SARS, you know, Premier League player. I thought Kiena was quite good, and I thought pedro was excellent when he came on as well. Um, so, you know, that front four, they could all probably play in the Premier League. Then you got Chalabar, you know, sitting in midfield. For many, at, at full-back. Um, you know, Ben Foster in net. So, yeah, massively, you know, better side than us, um, and we probably just ran out of legs, and they had just far too much quality. You, yeah. probably, need,
0: you probably think Dean is like a battering ram, don't you? But mm-hmm. he wasn't. He did. I don't want to be bullied, us, but there was a chance in the second half where he just played a quick one-two in like a split of a split second, and yeah. he was probably going in the shot. I thought he was really good. I um, thought his, his
3: movement around the box just very yeah. sharp, weren't it? Yeah.
0: And his penalty
2: was well, not keeping that's that, that, right.
3: that That's how you take a penalty, to be fair. But he end up with a broken hand if you try and get him like
2: that. <laughs> yeah. First start of the season yesterday for him as well. Mm. You know, they've the eased him back in after injury and obviously had a bit of a fallout in the summer the night before the... Well,
1: they had COVID as well, didn't
2: they? Yeah, so he's... I mean, he's had, he's been through the mill a little bit, hasn't he? over yeah. the past few months since the end, the end of the last season. But, you know, great player. And that job, Pedro, for a 19-year-old, Mm, um, yeah. I mean, I was speaking to a Watford fan last night, and he, apparently he's come through the same ranks as sort of a Charlison. Yeah. He's come on, come on that sort of route, and you could just tell he's just head and shoulders. He had Pearson, he
3: had well. on strings on a couple of occasions, and you don't really see that, do you? There was no. a
2: flick, there
0: was a flick, weren't well, there? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if he meant it, but it was I a who think... did one recently in the Premier League? Um, was it Greylish for England? Like yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: He looks top quality, does not he? I think what yeah. do you say? Nineteen years old, Jimmy. So. Shows what you're up against on it, I suppose.
2: They're just yeah. they're 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 in the Premier League for five years,
3: mm-hmm. cons-
2: you know, consecutively. You can tell, yeah. You know, and to be fair, I know this is completely off topic, but Vicarage Road looks like it's come on leaps and bounds since last time I went. It looks like a proper Premier League ground now, and I don't know what you thought, George, because obviously it might have been one of your first visits there. But I thought it looked like a Premier League ground yesterday because it used to look a bit of a bit of a hole, to be honest, back in the day.
0: Yeah, definitely. I thought I was going thinking, oh, it's quite an old ground, but it's in a no, I wouldn't say a, I do think nice area is the word, but it's in the community, like around all the sort of terraced houses and shops and then inside, yeah, didn't look like it was falling apart at all, like you think with summit grounds. Um, facilities very good, look clean, um, and the fit afterwards with the managers like honestly, it was like a cinema. Um, leather seats, unbelievable. Um, you could tell you could tell like like you said, I've been in Prem at for five or six years so you, you can tell when you go to some of these grounds um, the money they've got to improve the actual ground yeah um, but they were, I mean they were missing cleverly, Kapu Kapu A Will Hughes a couple others I mean going to be up there aren't they um, and I, it's, I know the result is gutting um, not, you, know, you don't want to lose 4-1 do you but and we have gone toe-to-toe with some of these teams that have come down in the last few years but I think we know fans you seeing more that it's coming down to who's got a better squad. Um, it's going to be a tough afternoon to compete
2: with a team like that, isn't it? Absolutely. And I, yeah, think I think it's it just shows the golfing class in terms of squads as well. You know mm-hmm. that they were they run were it yesterday. I mean, we've gone there without a fullback. You know, and we can make excuses up for Alex Neal or we want. And I mean, you know, we get accused of all sorts on in terms of what we pedal up for Alex <laughs> Neal, but. You know, it, sometimes you just got to look at the cold hard facts in terms of he's gone down there with a pretty threadbare squad. I think he had 14 fit outfield pros yesterday in the squad. You know, we've had two, two kids on the bench, three if you include O'Reilly, four if you include Baxter. I mean, you know, you look at their bench. I just, I looked at it. And I was like, you, you just got to smile and think, geez, you know, we are up against it here. But when I in the team, I was. I was surprised to see Pearson. I was surprised to see Davis. I was thinking, if we can get some out of this, then we've done bloody well.
3: Yeah. The and- only side, the only side that's been there this season and come out without a defeat is Bournemouth, which yeah. I think tells you everything you need to know. Oh them. yeah, I was just going to
2: say,
1: probably everyone in the league, apart from maybe a handful of clubs, are going to look at the game against Watford, maybe even the game against Bournemouth, and say, if we can get anything from those two
3: games, it's a bonus. Well, Bournemouth have. Um, one five and drawn one at home, I think, and what one one six and drawn one. So they are the two best home teams in the league, which is ideal exactly. for Alex Neil.
1: Um, right, I think that's enough on that. Um, there's got quite a few different points. Talking I just points. say, I just
3: say, by the way, um, before you move on, I thought both Ben's are unbelievable.
1: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, and and I think they showed what we'll be missing when they've gone.
2: Yeah, it was quite um quite cold, wasn't it? You know, in terms of like uh, you know, the cold hard facts of like you lose these two players, we are in a bit of a pickle. Um Ben Davis didn't look like he'd been away from me. I think he gave the ball away in the first sort of ten five, ten minutes, I think he put it into touch, just a little bit of a shanked pass. But apart from that, I think that's the only thing he did wrong yesterday for me. He was just yeah he was he seemed to really just just take the game in his stride and yeah, it's going to be a massive loss when we lose these two
1: yeah yeah right yeah so got got a few different points to uh to sort of touch on and then got some listener questions as well um so yeah before we crack on with the listener questions uh, i'll just go through the the four different points that i've got and we'll just have a little little bit of a discussion um, how do you think the lack of an active, recognised fans group has affected relationships between the fans and the clubs? Uh, and the club, even,
3: not the clubs.
2: I think for me, personally, um, I think it's, it's massive. I was, I was in a bit of a conversation with um, John Lee this week on Twitter and he was part of the old ISA it, back in the 90s. And, ISA you know, the being? Independent Sports Association. Um, and that sort of led a bit of a revolution under John Beck going into Gary Peter's time at the club and yeah, we are in Division 3 at the time but what those guys did was get the fans back on board uh, in a time when it was pretty dire, let's be honest and I think, you know, the club are getting away with a couple of things, Scott Free at the minute you know, this knocking down the old club shop you know, that was meant to be a fan zone that just literally happened over a weekend that nobody's even blinked an eye at it feels and um, there's a bit on Pini Online over the past couple of days about the old fans flags, you know, the ones that we had during the end of last season that fans paid for that have just gone missing, it feels you know, and nobody at the club seems to be responding to where they've gone because yeah, they were meant people,
1: to people have paid but, good money for them as well and they've just been used for what eight games, nine games and then think, done 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 what with exactly?
2: The biggest one for me, mate, is the, is the Gentry one. You know, yeah, there's, yeah. Various, but there's a sponsors one and all that sort of stuff, but it's not that. It's the Gentry one that the club said that would still be in situ for this season until fans are back and it's just disappeared. Yeah. You know, and I think then also think that it, because there's no fans forums, there's there's no real engagement with the club at the minute. I think it's just lacking that little bit of, you know, people are getting disillusioned with the club, and, and I, I, being away from Deepdale is hurting people. And I just think we could probably do a little bit more to keep people engaged. Because I'm not being funny if it wasn't for the likes of George uh, and the guys at Lanks Live, said at LEP, uh, and probably ourselves, we wouldn't have a clue what's going on at the club at the minute. Yeah. No. Uh, because there, there's no there's no engagement with fans. I mean, we had the. Um, the statements from Peter over the summer, you know, when things were happening, they've suddenly disappeared. Like, there's been none of those for for months now. So, no one actually knows what's happening at the club. And I think we are probably missing a bit of a fans group presence. You know, the old PSG. I know they've probably did become more of a travel club in the end, but at the start, they actually made an impact. But we're just missing something of that ilk for me at the mm. minute. And I don't know about you boys, but. We probably do yeah, need
3: someone I think to. I saw, I, saw, I saw someone. I saw someone say last night if there was a home game next week with unlimited, you know, capacity, how many fans would actually turn up? Um, and I think that I'd probably tell you quite a lot about how people are feeling towards the club at the minute. Um, I think obviously Jimmy's more, you know, on the ball with this kind of thing. I just focus on the football stuff. But um, you know, the club, you know, engagement is a big issue. Um, I think they do take fans for granted. I think they saw that when there was a bit of an uprising about the season ticket thing. Um, probably didn't expect that kind of backlash. Um, but, you know, social media probably has um, played a big part in that. Um, but I don't know. I think, you know, there obviously is strong shouts for more of a organised sort of fan approach. Um, I'm not sure what the best way to go about it would be, but... You know, Peter's come on the podcast a couple of times, probably covered his back when um, he's made a few silly you know, decisions. Um, but, yeah, m- big issue for me, really. When was the last time we had one? Uh, when was it? Probably August, something like that. Shortly before we signed Reese, I think. Uh,
0: oh, sorry, like a fans group. Oh, a fans group? I
1: think, I think, I think I you're know. going back to like mid-noughties, maybe, at, at the late. I going to say, because I, yeah. I
0: can't, obviously... <laughs> Yeah, I vag- yeah.
1: I vaguely remember the back end of PSG, the yeah, uh, Preston I've, Supporters Group.
3: I think me and George will be in the same boat where obviously yeah. can't really remember um, you know, such a such a thing. So yeah, engagement well, is just I, a major issue. I've
1: I've been in contact with someone at the FSA about she's she's tried to get us maybe more more as a, as a fans group or set something up and then hand it over to someone else but she, I think she said to me that there's us and maybe one other club in, in the whole of the football league that don't have any official recognised fan representation.
0: That was going to be my next question. Do most clubs have one? Um, yeah, I think the overwhelming things, majority do, yeah. One of them things, if it's, worked, if it's worked before people are still supporting the club that have seen it work um, you'd like to think it'd be sort of explored but not too I sure. Think, yes.
3: I think. I think one of the main things about that is it comes probably comes like down to people's egos quite a lot as well. Yeah. Um. You know, people just love getting involved with that kind of thing, don't they? But mm. you know, there's yeah. definitely room for something like that. And...
2: Yeah. It becomes about people people's own agendas as well at the times. So I think you know you probably just need to be quite neutral. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to be calling for the manager's head unless you really have to, unless it's like that. Unless it's The opinion of like ninety five percent of your members or something like that because you don't want to sort of alienate yourself from the club. Yeah. So I think there is definitely a need for one. Where it comes from, I mean, don't look at me. I've not, I've not got time to do anything (laughs) like that. (laughs) So, so if it's anything like, Jimmy, have some time with John and set one up. My, I've got my fingers in too many pies that is, my missus would kill me (laughs) if I did something else like Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Next
1: one then how much do you think a lack of an under 23 setup of some kind is currently hindering us and will hinder us moving forward as a club? massive
2: I think it is, is it cost related as well uh, I think more than I, likely, I, forget, yeah. I forget what Peter did Peter mention something about the under23s and why we have not settling up in one of these statements
1: I think at the last fans forum, maybe back end of
3: last year. Again, though, if you look around the leagues, we'll be sort of an outlier in not having anything like that. Especially, you know, with the, with the fits of congestion at the minute. I think Jimmy said, what was it, 14 fit pros or something on the weekend. Yeah. It's only going to get worse. Um, you know, I think we've still got eight, nine games before Christmas, something like that. So, you know, you just have to look at teams like um, Swansea, Derby, um, you know, Norwich, who produce these young players to, to supplement the squad. I've seen a lot of people, you know, having a go at Neil for not chucking these eighteen-year-olds in, but it's, it's so hard to chuck them in when they've not got any experience um, in at the deep end against Rovers or, or Watford. You can't really do it, you know. They're not ready to play, and not having a, not having a bridge between the under-eighteens. Our bridge between the under-eighteens and the first team is Lancaster City. Uh, it's it's a, yeah. it's a joke. It's a joke. That's what it is. And again, it comes down to, I think, the club not, you know, you can say you've got Premier League ambition, but how many clubs get promoted without, you know, some kind of development squad or under-23 squad? I'm not sure, probably, you know, does it ever happen? So, yeah. Alex Neil needs as much help as he can get, uh, as he can get, and not having that sort of... Bridge between under 18s and first team is obviously a massive hindrance.
0: Well, I
1: think Tyrese Dolan said it himself, didn't he? He did an interview with someone at Lancashire. I don't know if it was you, George, or maybe uh, yeah, it was. The, was it with you? Yeah. yeah, and he said he said something along the lines of there, there's no clear pathway for for the young lads to to get into the first team, and that I think he something along the lines of if a club came in for him and he had the opportunity to move to an under-23 squad that would provide that bridge to the first team, whether we'd have offered him a contract or not, he'd have probably gone with the other club. So even that, you've know, you got an ex-player there, granted ex-youth player, but an ex-player there who's openly calling out the fact that there isn't that bridge available.
0: Yeah, no, that's exactly what he said. Um, Fair enough, really, isn't it? I mean, most clubs do, like you've said, most clubs do have an under-23s team, and if you're a young player, trying to make the grade now and you want to be playing, you don't want to be the one that's not playing in under-23s when everyone else is. Went to watch O'Reilly at uh, at Brig um, about a month or so ago. Just felt sorry for him. Um, I'm sure he's getting a lot from being in that dressing room and the sort of pressure that comes with winning games and points. But, I mean, Brig just sort of bypassed the midfield and I could tell he was getting frustrated. Um, He's got a sort of question how much he's actually getting out of that. But, yeah, it's... I'm sure if North End had the option of having under-23s, it was just a simple yes or no, they'd say yes. But I can't really remember. What did he say? I'm trying to think what he said. I think it wasn't so much about the cost. I think he said something along the lines of it's removed from men's football or something like that, um, which I'm sure would split opinion, really.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's two levels. I mean, people talk about Premier League Two as this under-23s league, but there's also the, the professional development league, which is split into two. So you've got a North and South division. And I mean, Colchester United have got a team in the, in the South division. I mean, you know what I mean? They've, they've got an under 23 setup at a club like Colchester that are vastly inferior to a club like us. Let's be honest about it. You know, granted, they'll pick up the, the talent out of London, probably in Essex that gets released, and they'll put it into that sort of setup. But that's what Brentford have done to great effect with, the, with their B team setup. And you know, look at the teams in the North Division. You've got teams like Crew, Coventry, Sheffield Wednesday, Wigan, Barnsley, Hull. You know, Wigan are still operating under 23 setup, despite being an administration. Mm. You know, and not having a penny to their name, to be honest. And you know, an administration that looks like it isn't going to conclude any time in the near future either. So,
3: was there not a bit them- of talk about it around a couple of years ago? Alex Neil was pushing for it, weren't he? I seem to remember something. Remember
1: yeah, at the last fans forum that I went to, someone asked for an update on it and said, whatever the quote was from Alex Neal, that he'd, I think he'd come out in the press and said, yeah, we're looking into whether or not it's something we can do from next season. I think next season being last season. Last season, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously it never materialised. And then at the mm. fans forum, miraculously, Peter and Alex were both singing from the same hint sheet. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean... I think Alex Neil's as well referenced um, like bounce games and stuff. Um, you know, I think he's just probably frustrating as anyone else. Because, you know, Peter can say it's too removed from men's football, but all you have to do is look at Derby. Um, you know, half of their squad, it comes from a development side and they've got all the way into Europe as a yeah. development side. So, you know, if you treat it correctly, even like Jimmy mentioned, Brentford, they've gone a slightly different route with more of a B team. Picking up youngsters from the London clubs or from you know foreign foreign uh, leagues, develop them in that way. Um, so you know there's ways to be creative, but you know we seem to be you know just carrying a squad. And if if there's injuries, then there's nothing to supplement that squad.
1: Mm. And let's not forget, it's not like we're miles away from a catchment area where there's loads of established exactly. Premier League clubs that we can't pick up youngsters that get released. Like-
3: well, more or less, you know, London clubs have access to all these players, don't they? We're more or less the same in the fact that we've got access to United, kind of, Liverpool, four, Everton, four huge, City, yeah, four huge clubs in the northwest who release youngsters, you know, dozens of youngsters every year.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think the I mean, I'm just flicking through a few articles and as an article here with Alex Neal in December 2018, and he, the quote is, you know, in terms of an under 23 slash reserve side. We've got a first team in under-18s. The problem we've got is supplementing an under-23s team. All the money put into the first team to try and have the best start at 11 and have the best players available to us in the squad would be diluted to help fund the under-23s. You could create an under-23s, but it would mean money coming from somewhere else, which would be the first team. Are you better having 35 players, a lot of who are okay, or are you better having 22 or 23 players who are very good? In my eyes, we are better going down that latter line.
3: So, mm. so he's saying there that the money in the pot isn't going to increase, you know, to supplement you. It's going to have to be taken away.
2: And you could argue, December twenty eighteen, he's come out and said that he wanted twenty two or twenty three players that are good quality, and I'm not sure if that's the case now. It's got half a years that. later. So
3: yeah. there we go, Jake. Yeah.
1: Well, we'll uh, we'll move on to the listener questions then. So. First up, there's been forms of the same kind of question basically asked by a couple of different people, and it's about DJ. He, he did look like his head was elsewhere yesterday, to me at least.
3: I think George will be the best place to answer this, being in, in the stadium, obviously you can see things that aren't yeah. on camera. Yeah, true.
0: Yeah, I, I wasn't overly surprised because I don't think he played well yesterday, but was it the was it like zooming in on him on the telly and things like was it his face? Mm, not, facial not expression? Massively, no. Didn't close down really for the first goal, did he? Um, yeah. he's not I wouldn't have the sort of lazy tag on him, um, in general. Don't I don't think he's a sort of lazy player. I think Neil said before, he's one of the ones that covers with the most ground. will always yeah. be top top three in running in training. Um so yeah, I'm not Obviously, I think there was a very big sort of big backlash yesterday with regards to him. Um, I, I think, think sometimes. Didn't have a great happen. game, did he?
3: I think if some if one of these players now has a bad game and one person says the heads elsewhere, I think that can very quickly materialise on social media. I think it's um, similar
1: to people saying that Alex Neal's lost the dressing room. Yeah, uh, one or two people have probably mentioned that, and it's gone gone like wildfire, but. That first half performance yesterday wasn't the performance of a team that don't want to play for the manager. No,
3: not no, I, I agree so. with that. And I think on <laughs> Tuesday night as well, it, that wasn't a lack of effort. I think that was just an approach that was the issue. Um, but I, what I would say on DJ has been nowhere near the level of last season.
2: This yeah. contract, the contract situation is, exactly. is overshadowing everything. Yeah, uh, and I think the quicker that gets resolved, the better. Obviously, it's going to be resolved in January, one way or the other. I'd presume. You know, or before then, if he actually signs a contract. But you know, I didn't think he was too bad first half, DJ. I know I'm probably on my own in saying that. You know, I think he completed four four key passes. You know, 30 out of 33 passes had the most crosses that were they were all completed. Yeah, he could, probably could do better for the first goal. But I think so could Barkey and I think we could probably do better before that as well. So it's it's a, you've got to sort of give a little bit of credit to Ismail Saar because. There's not many players in the league that could put the ball where he put it yesterday for that first goal. It's perfect. There's a cross, yeah. and that's what a thirty million pound winger does in this league. Yeah. So I think
3: I think DJ's got to stop it for me.
2: Yeah, he probably has, and you know I'm not taking anything away from that. But I didn't think he was that bad yesterday first half. No. I mean, I, obviously none of us see the running stats. You know that's something that the you know, analyst guys and the club will probably see, but. I didn't think he was too off it in that sense. Yeah, second half. I don't think anyone's sort of covered himself in glory after the 60th minute. Soon as soon as, as, soon as Pierrot goes off, it's game it's 3-1 and it's three one. I think it's game over in it really.
3: I think this, the same sort of comments get labelled at Pots when Pots has a poor game. You know, you get the lazy comments about Pots. I just don't see it. You know, um, whether it's like the style, the running style or whatever, because Potts looks quite casual off the ball. I was gonna say, I think. I've noticed, especially with DJ the last couple of days, like you've
1: all just said, the, the lazy tags come back out. But I, I would say that it is probably the way that they, him and Potts both carry themselves. Well, yeah. If you
3: look at David Nugent, for example, whose legs move at 100 miles an hour, he's not actually moving any quicker than Danny Johnson moves. But, you know, people just focus on how they look when they're going about the business.
2: The other thing I'd say about DJ yesterday, people have a go at him about your captain's not trying all this sort of nonsense. He's very vocal on the pitch. I don't You can probably tell us more than anything, George, now because you're actually probably hearing them more in the ground. But I've always noticed DJ is very vocal on the pitch. He, you know, He's yeah. probably one of the players you can hear, even when there's people in the ground. He's one of the people that's dictating stuff and he's actually pretty loud to be fair to him.
0: Yeah. No, he literally screams. Um, it's a bit weird to be fair, I don't. It's like a sort of gut range sort of blood-curling scream that he lets out every so often Um, don't know if he's trying to put people off or whatever but after Rudd he's probably one of the ones um, that's, that's the loudest I think there was a in the last home game Sheffield Wednesday there was a not a spat but I think someone might have been down the left Um, no I think Patrick Bauer played a, a long ball just to no one um, Fisher was maybe on for a simple pass and Fisher weren't too happy with it and DJ was the one to calm everyone down and sort of um, move to the situation. So, yeah, from a captain's point of view, I think, you know, I don't think you can say you don't try. I don't think any of them don't try.
3: I think if you look at his age as well, by the way, he's probably one of the oldest players out there now. Nearly 29, yeah. I think. So, he's very experienced. I think I What is it, sixth season at this level now, is it? Yeah, yeah. something like that. Been around the block, has not he? So
0: flown to Saudi Arabia as well. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to catch up with you, probably.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, say it again, Jimmy. So I say people forget that he's just played. Three, he's played three games since coming back from Saudi. He's probably not really had that many days training either. Probably not mm. had that many days rest. Yeah. So you know he's been half around the world, played two games. Come I back. Mean, played, I, I played, don't think.
1: Could've... I don't think the traveling massively will be that much of an issue. He's probably traveled business
3: class. Nah, that takes well, it out. Mate. Yeah, he was a time difference and all that as well. It's. You know, as a normal person, it'd take you a few days to get back to acclimatise. Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, you, goes goes. Ameri- you know, when you go to America, you know when you go to America, Jake. It just, like the first couple of days you're there. Yeah, I forgot. I
1: forgot about the jet lag side of it and the time difference. I think that's the
3: main part isn't it, really.
1: Yeah. Um. Next one, then, Ollie. This one's more for you, uh, but obviously I'm not ruling George and Jimmy out either. Um, why do you think we've become so uncreative at set pieces? <laughs>
3: it's an interesting question that isn't yeah. it really I yeah. mentioned it to you boys I was I was thinking this because our set pieces are now aim for Patrick Bauer's head Um <laughs> you know we used to have we used to have like a, quite a different movements to isolate a player 1v1 at the back post or you know get a flick on at the near post a bit like Watford's goal they got a flick on at the near post Shao Pedro yeah. started on Rudd he's moved off Rudd because we've gone zonal Um no one picking him up on his free at the back post so we used to do stuff like that, I don't know. The couple of things I, I was saying was either lack of time on the training pitch or just focusing on other areas. Um but you know, I think Watford showed you yesterday if you focus on set pieces could be very dangerous because they could have probably had three or four goals from um, you know, well, set they had, pieces.
1: They had one short off, didn't they?
3: Yeah. It, that was a similar sort of movement to to their goal that stood. Yeah. Um, because cause we went zonal on the six-yard box, Ja pedro basically just stood on Rudd. We had no-one protecting Rudd. He just peeled off Rudd as a free man. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It, it frustrates me because set-pieces can win you a game. I think they're very important in the league, set-pieces. Um, but, you know, we could argue we've only got really got Bauer as, you know, a target in the box. So, it, it might be something to do with that. Charlie
0: yeah, well, not being on the pitch as well, I think.
3: Probably. Yeah. Who took um, our set pieces yesterday? A
0: big factor. Um, good question. I think, I think DJ took up a couple, didn't he? It's been yeah. Rafferty when he's been in the team.
3: Yeah. It could be something to do with that because, you know, Harrop and Galley you can trust for a set piece, but probably not got many others, have we?
2: Ledson but, as well. Ledson was taking a lot of corners, weren't he, when he was yeah. playing?
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, but, the Pedro goal, I mean, they'd literally conceded that in the first half. Yeah. Um, it was offside. It was the same goal. So I it must be fewer I am not know, three, one, four, one, not much difference, but that must be infuriating. Um unmarked, literally <laughs> conceded it half an hour, 45 minutes earlier. Yeah. But yeah. Um I think that what what you said about the flicking out at the front post, they scored one, didn't they? At Brent was it Brentford? Um yeah. earlier this season. And I think yeah. at QPR a few years ago as well, Brown at the back stick. So yeah, that's a good point. And they also used to do one where Gally I'd sort of roll it along the ground um, mm. uh, and John sort of maybe wheel round the, the yeah. back. Um, From sort of wide free kicks. Yeah, yeah. Not seen yeah. that for a while. So.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether it's teams have cottoned on to certain routines. Um, I was speaking to someone the other day, um, championship, and they have 40, 40 corner routines. Yeah, I don't think North End have that many, do they? You know, no. it, we seem to be quite uncreative. So, yeah. Whoever asked that question, is quite frustrating.
1: Yeah, someone on Twitter asked that one. I forgot to make a note of their Twitter handle. But off the back of that, uh, someone else has asked, why do we have everyone back in the box when we're defending set pieces? I know we've talked about this in the past on
3: the
2: podcast, but...
3: Yeah, I mean, it's 80% of the clubs in the league do it. Yeah, yeah.
2: it reduces the... the. Op- you, know, you want to do anything to try and minimise your opposition from scoring and uh, to be honest with you if you go because usually it be 11v9 in the box no, sorry 11v8 because you've got your corner taker They're, so if it's if we're defending a corner the opposition opposition players aren't in the box you've got the goalkeeper the set piece taker and they usually leave one around the halfway line or the edge of the arc so it's, it's 11v8 you shouldn't be conceding goals 11v8 if we're honest despite us being zonal. Mm. Um, when we are conceding the goals, they, they come from being sloppy more than anything for me from set pieces, especially and from corners. It, individuals as well. Yeah. And the other thing is, I, I know people want to see us leave somebody out. However, then you create space. So then it becomes, so if you leave one out, so it'll probably become 10 v seven. You know, you've got two less players in the box. That's, that's less congestion in the area. So, really, it, it make, probably makes it a little bit easier for opposition to be able to attack the ball because you've actually got two less people in quite a condensed area. Now, I know people want to see us leave someone on the halfway line to try and counter-attack. You don't tend to see a lot of teams counter-attacking from set pieces because nine times out of ten or 99 times out of 100, to be honest, the ball will not end up in the keeper's hands.
3: Yeah, it's what I was going to say. Um, you know, the risk and reward thing. First thing, your keeper's got to catch the ball. Secondly, he's got to get you know a clear path to release the ball. Third, he's got to hit the target, you know, with the pass. Um, There's a lot so, of
1: variables that you've got to rely on there, aren't
3: there? Yeah, and and the way that North ends set up with such a structured, you know, defensive approach, you need all ten outfield players because um, otherwise you're losing one zone or, or you're losing the man who goes short for the for the short corner. So Neil's come out with stats. Um, before I think about eleven defending the box, Brentford do the same. I've heard Thomas Frank talk about it as well. So I think it's I don't really get that frustrated about it. Um how often no, do you I... see how often do you see a team score from defending their corner? Very, very unlikely unless it's Liverpool. Do
1: you think people have got that memory of Barkey against Reading and Simon Grayson's last season sort of stuck in their mind and think, Why do we never do that anymore?
3: No. No, I've not thought about that once in the last four years.
1: No, I'm not saying you, but I'm saying the people that have been asking that question on Twitter. Because as I said, it's not the first time we've had it.
3: No, no, I don't think. I think, you know, I don't know why people think it. Fair enough.
1: Um, Right, next one. Mark Sargent on Twitter asks, has Alex Neil improved the squad in the
3: last three years? Someone else can have this one before I see red.
2: (laughs) Has he improved the squad? I think you've got to look at what's been taken away from the squad before you look at what's improved it how can you say that we've improved you can't say Alex Neil's improved the squad because look at what he's lost he's lost you know, a 15-20 goal a season strike from Jordan Hugill he's lost Callum Robinson that played in the Premier League last night for a good 75 minutes and played pretty bloody well to be fair to him very lively all game
3: probably
1: a 10-12 goal a season winger
2: at this level, without a Shadow, 15
3: with that, yeah, 20 at uh, Jake at this level,
2: and then Greg Cunningham, probably one of the best left backs in the league at that point. Um,
3: so can I, that, can you, can I also add Lucas Nemetra in there as well because he's an absolute talent, by the way?
2: A 19 year old Lucas. Uh, I mean, you only have to look what he's doing at Anderlecht now. He, uh, you know, Man City are on about offering him another contract because they want to keep hold of him because they think he's that good. I mean, you know, you look at the players with. Those
1: But Jimmy, Dave circus. from Ribbleton says he's not that good, so therefore he must be shit.
2: Sorry, Dave, but you, you're <laughs> wrong. I said when we lost him, and I had an argument with someone actually, it was quite a feisty argument from what I remember, it was in a pub, I said Lucas Nemeche will play Champions League football. And he's like, no, he won't. He'll be league two in two years' time. I'm like, he won't. Because you can tell he's got the natural attributes of a yeah. footballer to, to make it at a good level. So... Uh, squad-wise, yeah, we are in a worse place than three years ago. The, yeah. The, yeah, it's not, it doesn't take a genius to work that one out. I mean, and you look at the recruitment we've had, if Alex Neal had got the first choice signings of, of his and Joe Savage's first choices, but all these positions we've recruited for over the past three years, we're having a different conversation now.
3: Yeah, I think if you look at the players still at the club, though, um, you know, before he came in, Ben Davis never got a look in. Alan Brown, he was probably just coasting along, weren't he? Um, You know, he's improved Barkhounds and Barkhounds got a lot more to his game than when when Grayson was here.
1: Did um, Alex Neal not make Ben Davis a centre
3: back as well? Was Grayson not sort of mainly using him as a left back still? No, no. That was um, when I was Graham Wesley and then he got loaned out when he was playing centre back at Fleetwood and York. Yeah, so I think that was a bit of a one-off. But, very you know, he's, in, he's improved Ben Davis. Darnell Fisher, I think, is one of the best right-backs in the league. Um, You know, Ben Pearson's a very good player now. He's improved Danny Johnson's all-round game. Alan Brown, Jordan Hugel, Callum Robinson. Nemecha developed when he was uh, on his season-long loan here. So, Greg. you know, yeah. Mm, he's, he's I think, just, I think to a
2: little, lesser extent, Greg. Well, yeah, I'd, just always been,
3: improved. I think Alex Neal has the capacity to improve players that he's allowed to keep. No, he he made, no no There's two
2: names missing for me. Declan Rudd.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Dettlin Rudd has come on leaps and bounds as a goalkeeper the past two, three years. You know, you look at the... He was quite nervy at times. And I think, you know, Jonathan Gould and, and Mike Pollitt have, have done a great job with, them, but with him, to be honest. I forgot who the second one was going to be. Then I think oh, Ben Pearson. Sorry, I, it's just something yeah. on Ben. The the big thing that he's done with Ben is he's not look at it, look at the way he's played probably the last twelve months, taking that daft edge out of him. You know, look how many how many fewer bookings he's getting for descent. Yeah. You know, he's matured as an individual, but he's probably been coached well to, to you know he's still got that aggressive streak in him, but he's he's channeling it in a, in a completely different way. Yeah, I think that's just he's come on so much as a player. You know, he, you know, Jermaine Bedford said it. I forgot who he played top, on Sky, but top six, but he, wasn't it? But he said mm. he'll play for a top six Premier League team,
3: yeah. and he's
2: not wrong. I think he will. I think he's got
3: every bit of
2: talent. You know, I
3: think. For yeah. So I was going to say, I think if, if if we'd have sold Ben Ben Pearson and Ben Davis twelve months ago, I think you know you're looking at ten million plus for both of them. And then you you know you're looking at sort of forty million for Hugo, Robinson, Cunningham, Davis and Pearson. Forty million pounds Alex Neal's developed. Um and so- to
1: date he's had about what, 20 percent of the two, twenty million back to reinvest.
2: Spent about eight. He spent about eight million quid, Alex Neal. Let's not, you know, he spent a million off on bad parts, spent just over a million pounds on Tom Bayless. Nothing a lot of, Yeah, but he spent a lot of 700, 800 grand on players that, you know, you look at Jordan Story, Jaden Stotley. It soon adds up. I know it sounds daft, but it soon adds up. And now th- this is what I'm saying about the recruitment side of things. Jaden Stotley is his first choice. If he gets and gets Keith from Lottler. It's a different story. If he gets yeah. Jake Bidwell, you know, 18 months ago with the left back, because he realised that Andrew Hughes probably wasn't going to make it as a, a top-six championship fullback. Max Lowe. Max Lowe, two million quid. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and now look at him. So, you know, it, it's, it's just all those little niggly things. And hindsight's a wonderful thing, you know, but we probably took the cheap option. You know, we probably shopped in Aldi instead of Waitrose. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think people went I've, I've referenced this in the past that he's improved players and people come back and say he's not improved Harrop. You know what's happened to Bayless, what's happened to Josh Earl, and that's probably something that you can probably point at Neil as somewhere he needs to improve. As a 39-year-old coach, you know he's going to have flaws and might not fancy some players at times, but you know you can't you can't improve every single player, can you?
0: Oh, oh. can you imagine um, Cunningham and his sort of. Best days and Robinson in this team now.
2: Mm. Fighting partnership. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I
0: think the left side is a bit of a weakness for us to be honest. Yeah, that's I, don't a... it... I don't think Sinclair is a left winger. I think Neil said this a week or so ago. I mean, Sinclair is not the, not maybe the player he thought he'd signed when he brought him in, but he's still giving us something that we were missing because he's probably the best finisher. Um but yeah, imagine, imagine those two in the team. Like yeah. and if you I've not got anything against the people that have been brought in, but if you look at who Goals to and Endugil on paper were replaced by um, mm-hmm. Josh. Josh Ginelli was sort of signed, and Robinson went, and who knows what's going on there. Um, and I think Sinclair obviously was the, the meant to be the replacement for Robo, but very different players. I think. Do you
1: think Sinclair's
0: better suited to playing up up top in a two? I don't know. I don't think he's a striker. I just think he's very good in the box. Uh, because Neil's LA. also
1: mentioned about how how he's suited. To playing out on the right. And I think it was like the Reading game and a couple of yep. others around that time that Scott started on the right. And Alex Neil said in the press about why he'd done that.
0: Yeah, it was. Ollie will understand that better than me. He lost me a bit. But um, yeah, sort of was, on the turn or something.
3: Yeah, it, I, I tweeted it the week before. Can't remember who we're playing against, but he just doesn't take it naturally. Like mm. Robinson, Robinson could swivel on a sixpence if we received mm. it like on, on the left-hand side. Sinclair just can't really. It, it's hard to explain. Like
2: center of gravity.
3: Yeah, I don't know if it's. I've, this is how I'm very technical, but when I worked with um someone who's who's worked at Southampton with uh, Pochettino, they do this thing where they cut a piece of uh, paper cut a hole in a piece of paper, you close one eye, you look out of it, and you close the other eye, and you look out of it. And whichever side you can see out the paper with is the side that you're naturally gravitated to. Um, and apparently like, a, lot of, a lot of football clubs use it. And then that's, you've always got a natural way that you turn. It sounds weird, but that's probably why he put Sinclair on the right, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't think, you know, like George said, they are very different players, Sinclair and Robinson. But there's not many players like Robinson about. He's just a very unique player.
2: Mm-hmm. underappreciated the, him a bit I think to be honest. Yeah, massively <laughs> it's, the, it's his work off the ball as well, it's yeah. not just what he could do on it I mean yeah. as a pocket player that he was you know, he, he, the way he supported Greg, you know and because he, he worked so hard off the ball He seen it last night in that game against Sheffield United you know, he was playing as, a, as a, a, he was playing in a two last night which I was a bit surprised to see but then he'd pick up the space on the left and he'd drop in and that's exactly what he used to do for us you yeah. just drop into this bit of space and it it's always there yeah. and there was a period of time under Grayson and probably at the start of Alex Neil's reign where he sort of went off the rails a little bit you know there were rumours about what he was doing and, and ter- how he was turning up to training and stuff you know
1: i remember when alex neil came in he didn't play him for a, a yeah, he long dropped time him for 11
2: games yeah, yeah. he mentioned he, he, exactly. he brings that up a lot sorry of, because of his attitude and stuff and I, I think he was having a bit of you know whatever he was doing outside of the four walls of Springies. And Deepdale, I think he was it was affecting his game. But mm. my God, he's settled down, and you could. I think Alex Neal played a massive part in it in him. Absolutely, you know, no developing no doubt him as a footballer because you know, player developing him as a person as well, because you know he's gone from being in the nicest possible way a, a young lad when he came to us. You know, what was he nineteen when he first came on loan from Villa that time? Mm. You know, and and he's, he's a young man. he's, he's a man now. You know, I, I I know it sounds really cheesy and stuff, but you need people that influence you in, in your career. You know, regardless of what in, industry you work in, whether it's football, whether it's retail, whether it's you know journalism, whatever, you need yeah. those influences and, and those yeah. people to what? support you and get you on with your career. And that probably feels like what Alex Neal's done to, to Callum Robinson. Yeah. You what,
1: need you need those experiences as well, though, to learn and, from for you also, to personally say, right, this is at a point where. Because I think Robinson could have reacted differently to what Neil had done and gone completely off the rails and not ended up playing in the Premier League like he is now.
2: Darren, Darren Gibson. Darren Dick Gibson's probably the biggest example I can think of of a talent that's wasted. You know, He's gone from being this prodigy at United, but had that many off-the-field issues that he just tumbled tumbled through the leagues. and Because no, it felt like nobody put their arm around him and just said, look, this is where you could be. Mm-hmm. And that's what it probably done with Cal- with Callum Robertson. This is where you can be. You can be a, a top half Premier League player if you want to be, but you've got to want to do it. And I'll I'll help you do it, but you've got to want to do it yourself. Yeah, you Otherwise, need to buy in, don't you? Simon Whaley, another example of that. Yeah. Could have had it all, Simon Whaley. What a talent! He's now what A plumber? Exactly.
3: Although well, 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 I did
1: hear he was a butler in the buff as well. So.
3: What I'd also say about Robertson is, you look at the other clubs he's been at. He's been at Bristol City. He didn't really work out, and it didn't work out at Sheffield United. He might be turning the tide now, but Alex Neil's got the most out of him of any manager that he's worked under, yeah, um, yeah. and I don't think that's coincidence. The
0: thing with Robbo is, he was always in a game, weren't he? Like, he, I think he'd probably get his fair share of stick more than anyone else um, from the fans. But he'd always, he'd always be. He'd maybe have a few shots that he'd miss, or he'd put a bad cross in, But he'd always be trying to do something.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. I think in these home games, uh, there's you sort of not been able to break anyone down. Robbo would be perfect. He'd, yeah. he'd maybe have a run and lose it, but then he might beat someone. It was, I just think he was really underappreciated, and I also think he was a very likable player in that dressing room. Um, yeah. yeah. Which brings on to another sort of another point I've noted here. Um, I don't think anyone thinks Tom Clark could, it should sort of would be in the, in the team or anything. You know, should have been kept a hold of maybe, but big player to lose um, off the pitch. Um, look at the reaction when he left. Um, and Nuge as well. I mean, I don't I don't know Nuge's influence as much, but having him in the dressing room, I can imagine he was pretty good in some of them games. He sort of disappeared off the face of the earth. Uh, Robbo was popular. Hugo was very popular. Cunningham was popular. Um, when we played Cardiff, Barky and Galley were talking to uh, Greg, the whole of half time, instead of warming up, not not all of it, but for about five minutes. And yeah, like Clark wouldn't be in the team, would he? But I'm not sure. How, have you got people like that still there? Um, yeah. How many is it? A you, you'd point. probably say Hunts and Galley are the,
1: the only two. Yeah.
2: But I think you, you lose your captain in Tom Clark, someone that people look up to. Massive influence in that dressing room. You know, and yeah. I've been told it a couple of times. You know, him and Nugent were big influences because, they were, I, mean, I suppose with he Nugent, he's been there and done it. He's experienced and he's a bit of a likable lad. Scouser, you know, you know what it's like with Scousers. They tend to be able to have a good, nat- good nat with them anyway, and a bit chirpy. They'll yeah. give it, as, they'll, they'll give it, but they'll take it as well in terms of the banter in the dressing room. Because, and when you lose players like that and people that other players look up to and then not being replaced, it's hard. Mm. That's that's a hard, That's a big void to fill. And then, you know, there's other people that have left the club recently as well that, you know, the players liked and there's a void there, you know, and it's like, well, there's only so many people you can get rid of yeah. without it actually affecting morale.
3: You've got to wonder why, you know, all those characters have gone as well.
0: Yeah. So sort of bring. I think, I think, I think the, sorry, Ali, go on.
3: I was just going to say, like Jimmy said, I think Ledson's one of those characters, isn't he? You'll know better than me, George, but Ledson comes across as, yeah. you know, just a very bubbly character and you need them, don't you? Yeah.
0: No, I love him. I think he's class. Um, if he comes out after a game um, or pre-match, you know, he's, he's one you look forward to talking to because, like you said, we neutered the sort of I thing. He'll just say how it is. Um, after Rotherham, he looked genuinely sort of devastated. Um and I think he's at the point where maybe, you know, your Pearsons and Browns were at a few years ago where, you know, this is everything. I'm not saying or suggesting it isn't for them lads, but, you know, this is the, this is the pinnacle for him now. And, yeah. and he saw, he's, I think when the ball went in for the third goal, he was the one that on Saturday, he was the one that ran and got it and on the floor when Rotherham scored. Um, and yeah, he's probably one of them characters that is like that now in the dressing room. And you, you maybe you need a few more. I think Rudd is probably another one. Um, I think you mentioned Hunt, who so I think is a sort of one of the most likable people you'll meet. But is he of that same mould as sort of Clark? I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I'm, I don't want to speak because I'm not in that dressing room. But that's just my sort of assumption. Uh, maybe more. He's maybe more of a nice type than, than a Clark who really get hold of someone and and uh, lay out it his. Do you think
1: there's an argument obviously there's been some stuff mentioned about uh, the captaincy and and all that sort of stuff do you think there's maybe an argument for with how things are looking with the players seeming like they're not going to sign contract extensions for maybe naming someone like Ryan Ledson or Declan Rudd as the club captain
2: I think what Mm. the manager's already said, said about Alan Brown he wants Alan Brown to be the club captain for years to come was the quote he had and the manager's frustrated about the set of the contracts. I mean, you do, you, know, do
1: you not think though that's more maybe the manager's heard something about I don't know his contract negotiations, and that's the manager trying to sort of say, "Look, you wanted here, I want uh, you here." Alan
3: Brown knows how much Alex Newer hates him.
2: And to be fair, Alan Brown in the Rovers game was the one that was putting himself about more than anyone. He probably should have got sent off. I probably could have got sent off. I was about to know the next words, but you know, he's the one who seems to want it more than anyone. He's been here since he was like, 18, yeah. You know, he's yeah. what 25, 26 now, so that's eight years of his life he's, he's spent at this club. You know, it becomes something, it becomes part of you, doesn't it? You know, he turned up at 18 with a Liverpool tattoo on his leg, that's got covered up now.
1: Oh, is um, that why he's got his? All oh, right, fair enough.
2: I don't know if that was maybe published, but you know I'll tell you he had a <laughs> he had a he had a, a liver burn on his leg when he when he turned up at eighteen. So that's been that's been t- covered up like. But I I think he is captain material because I think he you know I think he does lead by example. Is he going to be a Tom Clark type type of captain? No, because Tom Clark you know if you think about what Tom Clark did at his football club when he was here, yeah, footballing wise, probably probably a decent League One defender. But art on his sleeve and, you know, all the stuff with Tom Finney back in, you know, when he passed away and how he led the club through that transition of, of time and, yeah, just, just, you know, so so good on and off the pitch.
3: Yeah. The thing is, when Clark came in, he was probably sort of 26, 27, weren't he, already? Yeah. And then he grew into that role, didn't he? Probably by, you know, 29, 30, he was a massive, massive influence. I think Brown is only 25, is he 26? Yeah. So you know, are all still, a similar age, aren't yeah. they?
0: DJ's maybe got a year or so on the others, but yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. Davis probably 25. You know, Pearson similar age, like George says. So, you know, we are still quite um, relatively young dressing room, even though we don't have like many proper youngsters now. Um, I reckon the majority are sort of 25, 26, aren't
0: they Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think
0: you'd like to think Brown. I think we said this last time I was on, you'd like to think he's one that we can keep hold of. I mean, The manager speaks highly of him all the time. Um, I think Maguire uh, signed a new contract, obviously best mate's there. Um, just no real sort of speculation was there with him, um, never has been with other teams. Mm. But, one, you, you don't want to sort of You've just got to wonder why prediction. it's dragging on
3: so much now. That's the thing, it's, yeah. it's... And then when I mean, you get to only a month away from January now, it's you know you just wonder why it's dragging on so much.
0: They hold all the power, don't they? Yeah, yeah
3: absolutely.
0: I mean, can't blame them for it. I don't think it means that they don't yeah. want to be here, but from yeah. sort of financial point of view, they've all got sort of families. Yeah. Or 26. I mean,
1: arguably I, at that point in the career where maybe their last chance to
0: get a, a big move. Maybe not the last, but can you yeah. yeah, can you can you sort of blame him really? Um...
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you know when you say, I've seen a couple of people say, um, you know, leave the big four out of the team, but they're well why within would, the rights. Why would a manager do that? Why would they? Well, you know, it's cutting your nose off spite your face a little exactly. bit. I think, but but these players are well within the rights. They're tied down to a contract. They don't have to sign an extension as long as they fulfill their side of the contract. You know, so. Yeah, so to today, Ollie, I, I, hold Billy, nothing, bit, I hold nothing against the players. No, uh,
2: this, should, this should never it should never have got to this situation to start with. But you know, if the players do see out the contracts but remain with the club, yeah, you know, Billy Jones, when we went down, was a brilliant a, a example of a player that gave his all till the last game. Yeah, you know, he would put himself. You know, that season went down. He was captain, mm. but he refused to sign a contract because, and I think he said at the time, it should have been sorted out earlier. We got ourselves into a pickle with about ten months left of his contract. And then I think it was Maurice Lindsay, though I know it was Morris yeah. Lindsay actually, that didn't offer him a contract until it was too late, probably didn't even realise players go out of contract knowing Maurice Lindsay. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, your best players leaving the club for on a free transfer. Yeah. But until that you know, we played Watford that last game of the season and even in that game, he still led the team, still led by example. And this is a team that got relegated two weeks mm. before.
3: Yeah, you know, I don't, so, you know, I think when you're looking at the big four now, I don't think you can really look at the performances and say there's been a clear lack of effort from any of them. I think that'd be not, harsh. No one's down tools. No one has sadly the, you know, and they don't think they're, the, they're not the kind of lads to do that anyway. You know, obviously we don't know them, but we've seen them play for years um, and we've always had good characters at the club, haven't we? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just but, nothing against the players at all. Um. A couple of other people have asked
1: a sort of a similar question to this one, but this one's from a lad that I actually went to school with called Alex Garicino. And he asks, What is the point of Tom Bayliss as a North End player? We've had injuries, fatigue, and loss of form in midfield, and the most he can get is 15 minutes 4 1 down at Watford. We'll get his chance, in quote marks, seems to be an expiring quote. It's not a great case for more investment.
2: Um, Ryan Ledson it's, got his chance. And he's yeah, too, come
3: too, too on, I mean, he's, he's he's had minutes yesterday. I mean, you know, do you want him to get no minutes? 15 is better come, than none.
2: It comes on to something I mentioned on the other week, early, to be honest, this. And you can't just chuck players in when they, you know, they might not to be up to anything on the training round. Mm-hmm. You know, Alex Neal works for these players day in, day out. So he's clearly seen... He, if Tom Barrios was this world-beating centre-field, a box-to-box player, he'd be in the team. But he's clearly, he's clearly a work in progress. He's clearly trying to be coached and trying to be developed by Alex Neal. And if Tom Barrios doesn't want to be here or doesn't want to be coached and developed, then January's not too far away. He can get his move. It's totally, it's totally up to him. It's it, because you've got to want it. You've got to want, it. You want to be Come. here. Force yourself, force yourself into the team. It comes back to yeah. what we
1: said about Robinson. He got left out for eleven games, and he's turned. He's given the manager something to think about with his training.
2: Yeah, yeah but he's turned that. up at twenty-one. He's been. We've paid what one and a half million to shoot one and a half million quid for him plus add-ons. You know, it could be a club record fee if he gets all, but it's not going to be because he's not going to get all the add-ons that Coventry have put into the contract. Yeah. You know, it's, it's up to you if you want to make it. Don't just think because you've come away for over a million quid and you've done all right for commentary for two seasons, you're going to just walk straight into a championship yeah, team. That's I've, that's not how Alex Neal has ever worked at this football yeah. club.
3: I don't want to throw any sort of accusation like that out because obviously I've got no idea what's going on, but I would have personally liked to see a lot more of him. I saw quite a lot of him for commentary. Um Sometimes Neal just doesn't fancy a player. Um, whether you can point that as a flaw at Alex Neal something he needs to improve upon. He just doesn't fancy some players. He doesn't fancy Josh Harrop. doesn't really fancy Josh Earl. He doesn't fancy Tom Bayliss, does he, by all accounts. But I would have liked to see a lot more of him. Um, you know, probably could do with a loan move, Cunny. But how much value he's going to get out of going playing in League One again? Uh, I'm not sure. So, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. But, you know, with Gallagher not playing, obviously we have had injuries there. We've got contract issues. I thought he would have played more. Like Jimmy says, Ledson's had to wait his chance. But I think Ledson, you know, played quite a lot of games already. I think he's played more than 60 games, as he, for North End? You know, I think Tom Bayless has got two championship games appearances. So there's clearly something wrong. 15 minutes, think, at Bristol City last season. And then obviously, same
1: again this weekend. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so there's something wrong there, but I would have liked, I like him. me. For, well, fr- from what I've seen at Coventry, I think he's, he could add a lot to us, but
0: sorry, I think it was sort of said that he was going to, Neil was open, he'd get more minutes this season. Um, but yeah, that was the first time he's come on in the league on Saturday, wasn't it? So I think one thing that you shouldn't, we could maybe know is they're not having much time to trade as a squad. Yeah. And Neil said last season, um, when sort of Thinking about his team, he'd, he'd maybe see something, see some, a particular person in training, like, and think, "Wow, he's, he's ready to go into the team." Sort of five days training in a row or something. Not got that at the minute. So he's, if Bales is going to get a start, yeah, he's, he's going to just be sort of thrown in there. with not really much, sort of not based on much um, yeah. from what he's seen on training pitch.
3: The thing is, I think if Neil doesn't particularly fancy someone, they've got to do, they've got to perform in that time on the pitch. Like yeah. I think we've seen with we've we've seen with Harrup, you know, he gets to start, he doesn't play well, and then you know, we don't play for the next few games. Um so like, like George has said, we've mentioned it, aren't we quite a few times? Um there's no time on the training pitch. Obviously, he played yesterday, will have had today off. I'm guessing he'll be back in doing something very small tomorrow in preparation for Tuesday, and then he got Wednesday recovery. Thursday, Friday, then the game, aren't you? So, so hard to get to make an impression in training. So, you know, it's, it's a very tricky situation this season, isn't it to try and force your way into a team. Yeah, um, but yeah. you know, he could have definitely got a lot more minutes than he's got. Definitely,
0: definitely. Yeah, you'd like to think you'd get some minutes really over this next month, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Games, think you've got to years. think
3: sure, you've got to think it's now or never, really, aren't you? For getting minutes, you know, with the yeah. situation.
0: I mean, Wickham, for me, is a game where why not start him? Wickham have come up from League One. If he's good enough, he should, that should be a game I mean, he's capable of playing in, really, for me. Um, how old is he? 21, 20? 20, 20, 20. Yeah, 21, 22, something like that. He signed,
2: it, he signed, it, he signed yeah. when he was 20. So, you know, on the back of, like, two decent seasons for Coventry. So, you know, at 21, you've you, you still got years ahead of him, hasn't he? Let's be fair. But we just want him to Either get a run or, or you know, get a loan move or if it's if it's not gonna work out and Alex Neal's happy to cash in, then obviously potentially lose him in January. You yeah. know, yeah. And, I don't
3: I don't think a club would do that with with sort of a balance sheet asset lineup. What's got mm. twenty
2: thirteen is twenty twenty three is contracting it? Mm. So he's he's still worth a bit on the uh, yeah. books. Yeah. You've got to leave um, a pretty, pretty good player out as well to, to put him
0: in, you, I guess. But when you sort of that. Bettering...
3: that's the thing, in it really it's you know his favourite players. I'd argue you'll probably know better, but I'd argue Danny Johnson and Alan Brown are up there. You yeah. know for, for players right. at real rates, yeah. and that's who he's, com- yeah, that's who he's competing against in it. So
0: yeah, which yeah. might raise the question why he was bought, but I think that was the reason for that was put down to it being too good to turn down. Which, but you know, that's a lot of money for us to spend. Um, yeah, probably what over, well over sort of fifty percent of the budget. Just, you just got to hope he'll come come good, haven't you, like to
3: um, I thought he did all right yesterday. Really? Yeah. He had yeah. a header, didn't he? Yeah, I thought played some decent passes for we got that header off. You
0: Maybe
2: know, we've just
3: looked, needs the bulk up a bit. Um, yeah. um,
2: interesting, because our centre midfield is probably, what, on paper, one of the better in the league. If you look at the the, the depth and class in centre midfield, mm. it's just, a about, it's just a shame about the a shame about the couple and.
3: We have had issues though, you know, at home in that area for me, slightly deeper. I think we have had issues there. Um you know, obviously Pearson's been missing, Galley's been brought in on a couple of games, DJ's played deeper, Brown deeper. You know, I think there is room for Bayless there at home. I think there's room for another.
1: Yeah. Uh next one then, Adam, who is at Brownie underscore underscore on Twitter, Not asks. Ga- I need to say that. Uh, he asks, "Were expectations too high at the start of this season? Do you think?"
3: Uh, I said it to you boys earlier. I wish we finished sixteenth last season because you know we finished a f- couple of points off the playoffs, and everyone's expecting the same again. So, yeah, I wish we finished sixteenth last season so we could expect the same again.
2: Yeah, we're a mid-table team at the minute. Six points off. The- six points off the playoffs. Seven points off the drop. You know, second in the away form table. For I think the it's the other so way around, now.
1: isn't it? But it doesn't um, change the point.
2: No, it's it's oh sorry, it's six points off the job, seven off the playoffs. It was yeah. the other way around on Tuesday. So yeah, we're yeah. going into so it, it doesn't it doesn't
1: season. change it doesn't change your point though, does it?
2: Whatever it is. It's six and seven points either way for the last two games. You know, we're we're a bang average mid table team, you know, that's got a load of players going out of contract in eight months time and that worries me more than anything in the world at the moment. Yeah. I think when you
0: finish seventh in your first season, um I mean, how, that's such a high bar set for us, isn't it? Yeah. Um, never been near relegation once in, since we've come up to the Championship, which I don't think we should take for granted, but um point still stands, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, winning winning, winning, and losing every other week, but it says on tin, isn't it? It's a mid-table form. Uh, I don't think that no draws have helped. I think the manager made a good point a few days ago that, sort of the mood when you don't lose is is much better but if you were to sort of draw, draw, win Um, how many points? Five but if you were to win, lose, draw you actually got one one more point uh, mm. sorry win, lose, win yeah. got one more point and I think draws you know, I think not drawing is, is how many games have we lost by one goal if we'd have maybe drawn a few of them yeah. um, the mood would be a bit different I think Millwall have drawn the last five matches but Think you'd look at Millwall and think they're doing pretty well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, one draw is it? Norwich, I think. Yeah. It's the only draw this season. Yeah. Isn't
3: it? I think we so. said, I think the exact said same it a couple thing. of weeks
1: ago, didn't we? That yeah. It, like reaction on social media after a win, you, you're at
3: the highest high and then mm. you go to a defeat and you're at the lowest low. Yeah. I said yeah. the exact same thing as what Georgia just said there. You know, you don't draw games, you're either high or low, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A couple of, couple of draws in there would have just calmed everything down a bit, I think
1: next one then from daniel gillingham on twitter and he asks do you think alex Neil can be asked anymore he's not getting back to the transfer market his best players are probably going to leave in january seems like he can't trust most of his squad he's got copious amounts of injuries social media on his back etc cetera, etc cetera. they don't
0: look at social media so take that one off it makes <laughs> that very makes that very clear on
2: on the regular can he still be asked um... I think he, I think he's paid to do a job, isn't he, at the end of the day? I think he's I think he's still got a passion about what he does. Um I think at one nil yesterday, I think you know he's still chirping away, being his usual self on the sidelines, wanting to try and get that you know, that equaliser. I don't think he's down he's not down tools for me. You know, it's a bit similar to the players that are out of contracts, you know, you can't really point that the manager is he pissed off well I think everyone can see he's a bit pissed off with a lot of things that's going on at the moment. I think it he's made be. no secret? yeah he's made no secret of it. Um does that is that affecting things I don't know possibly but at the end of the day I, I think if something's going wrong in your workplace and you're not getting the support you want it to, then you're gonna be quite vocal about trying to get the support you want. So <laughs> what what do you expect him to do? Um I, I don't think he's given up I don't think, you know, he's an angry little Scotsman at the end of the day. I don't think he's going to give up in anything in life. Um, So I think he's just going to, he'll fight to the end regardless. um, When that end is, nobody knows at this moment in time. It's going to be a critical month. I think we can all see that. I think, you know, you look at the fixtures in December and will it come to a head? I don't know. I'm probably starting to think that then it It might be, it might happen. I don't want it to. Everyone knows that I don't want to lose the manager, but I think the more the more you lose games at this level, then the, the more it increases the chance of it happening. And nobody wants it to happen in this group anyway, but I know there's fans out there calling for his head. You know, Alex Neil would probably take that with a pinch of salt, knowing what Alex yeah. Neil's like.
3: I don't think a defeat at Watford really changes anything, does it? Like, you know, it's um, it's
2: not a defeat
1: nobody expected, is it?
3: Yeah, I think the Blackburn defeat was the most damaging thing that's happened during his time at the club. Um, but, you know, if you look back at November, I think we're 13th in, in the November table. Um, obviously, we, I think we've won two, lost three, obviously lost the last two. So it skews, you know, people's thoughts, but we're just banging in the middle of it. Um, and I think being pissed off is very different to, have, to giving up.
2: Yeah, um, and down in tools,
3: yeah. He's not in his nature, is it? I don't think. No, no, I mean, no. If
2: you look at that, them last 12, we've won five, lost seven. You know, that lack of draws, it just like you don't draw a game, so you don't have like a neutral sort of game for 12 games. It just,
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's sort of it does. like I said last week, yeah, you know, the highs are high, the lows are lows. And yeah, you know, I think with the games being back to back to back, these all, all the time, you,
3: very intense,
2: you think, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, I don't think the players got, I thought the players did all right for the first hour yesterday. I can't, you can't fault the effort. You know, we just made a couple of silly decisions and, you know, the first goal, we should close it down, but it's a fantastic cross to start with. And then the, the third goal is what it is. You know, we, we probably should have a penalty shortly after that as well, but... It's football, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's two teams. It's not just all about us. And unfortunately, we came up against a team yesterday. It's Little Premier League class. And yeah. It's just one of those one of those games where I said it was a free at the other day. You know, no games are free at this level. But you know, I didn't expect anything from it.
3: Yeah. I think as well, just 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 quickly on the thing about giving up. I think people have seen his comments after the Blackburn game, and now they're going to throw that at him every time. You know, we lose a game because. I think he said he settled for a 2 0 or whatever, um, and I think that's probably going to damage him slightly. Even though I actually agree, you know, with what he said, I think people have taken that very badly.
2: I agreed with what he said, but he shouldn't have shouldn't have made it public. Mm-hmm. He should have kept that in house for me. Where's his heart you know?
3: on his sleeve, though? dunny? not he?
2: Yeah, he's, he's, he's too honest for his own good. You yeah. know, that's probably the the one criticism you can probably give him for that. You know, you might say that to your players in terms of that's not go for it, but don't come out and, and yeah. Tell everyone, that. you know, it's just a little bit. Mm. It's too honest for me, you know. That's the only thing you can be guilty of on that, you know. At it, two 0 down, when you're getting absolutely battered by local rivals, you don't want it to end up four, five, six. You know, bad enough it being three in the end.
3: Yeah,
0: I think it was the bit about when he said the players were trying to, well, complaining. Pretty much, that was probably something you should have. Should Have been kept quiet, really. Yeah, uh, last one then comes from
1: friend of the pod, and I'm gonna call her Ollie's pod mom, uh, Angie Morley. And she asks, Where do we go from here? What needs to change to prevent
2: the season becoming a disaster? I don't think anything rational is happening at the minute.
3: Yeah, I think you know, I think we're very far off being a disaster. Obviously, we've lost two games, seven one in it in the last couple of few days, but you know. A disaster will be getting relegated for me. Um, I think anything else you've just got to accept, are not you, really, given the situation. I think the yeah. contracts... That's. you just
1: that's, I think that's I, what she's I, asking, I even, though. What, what needs to change to well, prevent the season becoming a disaster? I don't think she's saying it is a disaster. Yeah,
3: now. yeah, yeah. You just get your best players on contracts. And, you know, we've signed two players in going on 18 months. You know, sign some good players. Don't carry players like Nugent and Malt and Bowdoin and Rafferty and Hughes and Huntington and Ripley you know we're carrying sort of double figures of players that just aren't good enough um, just you know it, it is probably easier said than done but just sign some championship players and see what happens
2: there's a big overhaul that's needed and there's a big overhaul that's coming regardless because if you lose five players six, seven, eight players whatever is it is that's still out of contract come next summer you're going to have to replace them you know and I think the point that we mentioned either Tuesday or Sunday last week about the fact there's, we, you know, there's only two clubs in the championship that signed less than five players, and it was us in Bournemouth, you know, in the window. And there's gonna, you have to keep your squad fresh because mm-hmm. there's no point stagnating and becoming a little bit stale because you get found out. And you look at Sheffield United now in the Premier League. Yeah. You know, another great example of they've got one way of playing and they've not really freshened up the squad that much this summer. Yeah. And lo and behold, they've been absolutely found out these first few games of the season. Mm. I don't think we're in that that sort of dire straight situation. We're not in the bottom three. You know, we're not a derby or a.
3: Forest are in big trouble as bit, well. For, yeah, yeah
2: for, I think Forest will get out of it due to them. They've got as manager, I know they've got beat again today. But you know, they've got beat off a decent Swansea team. Yeah, um, at lunchtime. So. I look at the, the six games we've got before Christmas. There's some opportunities there. You know, the Wickham game at, at home. You know, Barnsley away. Bristol City at home. A tough game at Luton. tough game, obviously, on Tuesday night um, away to Bournemouth. You know, tough game against Middlesbrough. It seems to be flying, but I, we thought they were flying. And then I looked at the table and they were nowhere near where I thought they were. They are only five points ahead of us. You know they're just not conceding many goals, but they're not scoring. They've scored a goal a game so far mm. this season. So, so, you know there is opportunities in these next six games before Christmas. Um,
3: the Wickham game's huge. In, I think if you lose against Wickham, you're probably in trouble. I, like I
2: it. worry about him. Mm.
3: Yeah,
2: I, I, and that's just me being brutally honest. I, I, if we get beat off Wickham and we lose against Bournemouth, and it's four defeats in a row.
3: Yeah, another home defeat as well. I think they've actually improved, haven't they, Wickham? Um, yeah,
1: they were going to take time to adjust adjust to the level weren't they why well because they've never been at this level before
3: yeah well, the teams you know teams come up and storm it don't they Sheffield United did that you know um, I think Hacking confirm' A- A- coming back has been massive for them
2: that's what they said on the top 20 they've, they've really harped on about how Hacking fenwick coming to the team has rejuvenated them I think he came in against was it Watford he came in against they've mm. lost one, one in seven since yeah Two uh, two wins, four draws, and a, mm. and a defeat to, to Forest. Yeah. Look at the teams they've. Last three games, they've played Brentford, Huddersfield, and Derby. You'd expect, like, before the season, you'd think, you know, that's three big be a tough run. Yeah, yeah and, and they've got three points from it. They've got a point in each game. And then yeah. the next three games are they've got Stoke at home midweek before they come to us. And then they go to Barnsley next, next Wednesday.
3: Mm. So. It's not a give-me, is it? It's not like a it's not like a guaranteed three points by any stretch. No, but, you no. know, if you lose it, I think you're in trouble. They're not
2: giving up, though, are they? I mean, they scored late on yesterday.
3: Mm. Big result that, against the opposition as well. Mm. So, yeah, you know, I'm not writing off Tuesday night. Obviously, George is going down there, but it's, it's a similar game to the Watford game for me.
1: Yeah, we'll come uh, on to it in the second half. Yeah. <laughs> that's an hour and a half boys so i think we can call that a break the from the finney podcast is brought to you in partnership with our title sponsor Lanx live Lanx live is the most popular news source in the county and is run entirely by a local team who all care dearly about the areas in which they live onto matters football specifically preston north end and George Hodgson is their man at Deepdale. He's a North End fan, and he asks the questions that the fans want answered. The best thing about Lanx Live is that the news is all free to read, and the best way to keep on top of it all is by downloading the app or signing up to the newsletter. Head on over to lanx.live and sign up today. To stay up to date with all the latest news coming from Deepdale, follow their dedicated Twitter account, at Live. And now, back to the podcast. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. In this part, we've got our monthly review section. It's going to be a quick one, and then we'll look ahead to Tuesday night's game against Bournemouth as well. Right, we'll crack on with the monthly review section, fellas. Uh, first up, we'll go We'll go, George, Ollie, Jimmy. And first up, we'll have what's your best moment of the month been?
0: I've got two written down, but I'll go for Emil Reese's goal at Reading because I thought that was a great moment. You could see how much it meant to him. Um, and it was a goal he deserved as well because he'd been superb in the sort of games building up to that. But also in that game, Huntington, I think I tweeted about it when he walked off, patted the badge, looked sort of over, over the moon with him with himself. So, yeah, that went nice. Oli?
3: Yesterday when I saw Huntington been dropped to the bench.
2: <laughs> You're such an arse.
3: <laughs> nah, I go, I go uh, yeah, Emmy or Rhys, Redding away. Yeah, just the whole performance, um, you know, I thought, just topped off what had been a very good start for him. And they were top of the league at the time, having already won the league. So, great win down there. Proves that we can still get results.
2: Yeah. Jimmy? Yeah, nothing to add. no away. Battered him. Yeah. Same.
0: Same. Worst moment of the month, George? I thought it would be Matt Crookes' goal until we played Blackburn. Um, third goal against, well, third goal. Rovers' goal. Honestly, I, that, I think if you take that game in isolation, I'm not sure it gets much worse than that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: everything considered. Um I became totally disengaged with the second half, looking at my laptop for most of it. Just wanted to go home. It was honestly... And that third goal was sort of the... the just topped it off, didn't it?
3: Ollie? Yeah, yeah. I agree with George. I said on a podcast, I think it was the worst night under Alex Neil. Yeah. Jimmy?
2: Yeah. From about quarter past seven when Andy Bays did me, it wasn't a great night, was it? <laughs> <laughs> just crap.
1: Yeah. I, I have nothing... Nothing to add to that. Um, yeah, I think the less said about that one, the better. Uh, what was your game of the month, George?
0: Has to be Reading, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Won two games, lost three. Sheffield Wednesday wasn't a great game, but we got the job done and Reading we were excellent. So, yeah. I imagine you're the
3: same, Oli. Really enjoyed watching the Blackburn games, to be fair. Like, just how they set up and how they exposed our weaknesses. And I think it created quite a lot of discussion about, you know, why the club have done shit in the last 18 months. Um, So, yeah, decent game to watch for me, that one.
2: Jim? For our own performance, yeah, Reading away, definitely. I think ollie has got a point, actually, Blackburn was a massive reality check for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it was. I think, for me, the game of the month was Reading uh, and the fact that it was followed by probably the most fun I've had on a midweek podcast to date. Um, And then... Your your name for the podcast, Ollie, just topped it off. Oh, what I was it? Was what? Royals exposed.
3: Yeah, oh, less said about exposed. that, less about that, the better. And <laughs> Queen, the Queen <laughs> might be listening.
1: Uh, George,
0: goal of the month. Um, there's a few actually because I thought two of the goals at Reading were excellent, but I'll go for Barky because I think that was excellent sort of technique for that against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, don't think you think a Barkey is maybe technically a well, sort of his technical side of the game being a strong point, but with, his, with regards to shooting, I think he's he's got a pretty good, uh, especially with ollie he's got good technique. So, yeah, that was a good finish for me.
3: Ollie, I'd probably go pots at Reading away. I think it just epitomised what we're all about, really. Um, really late on in the game as well, just have the energy levels break away like that. And it was a great finish because it was actually behind him, uh, off balance. Yeah, it was but a it was But a that was finish. a great, great goal, yeah. Jim? Um,
2: yeah, I'd probably go with Emil. Um, I, I think, you know, we've scored what? Five, six goals in November? don't think, it, I put, I put any of them, apart from Barky's, we with decent at trying, to, to be honest with you. Barky's yesterday, if it hits target and goes straight in, I think we're talking about that goal a lot more than if it's a deflected effort. You know, Pearson's assist, I can't get over how good that. If you've got an assist, well, that's probably it. But, yeah, um, yeah, we'll go with
1: the meal ready. Yeah, I've got a meal as well. I think as much for as you mentioned before, George, the moment, and you could see how much it meant to him. But I think Ryan Ledson's ball over the top, the way that he's just burst past the defender, and then poke the ball past the goalkeeper. I think it just shows everything that he's about. Fantastic. Um, last one then,
0: Player of the Month, George. Uh, I'll go for Ledson because I think he can sort of discount the. Last two matches. Uh, I don't think anyone sort of played well, really. Stood well, stood out well. Obviously, Watford a few did, but those was their first games for a while. Then I thought Ladson were decent at Rotherham. I think Alex, singled him. Alex Neil singled him out as one of the only ones. Um, decent against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, so, yeah, just pretty consistent at the minute for me, Ladson. Um, so, yeah, go for him.
3: Ollie? I'll go Barky. I think. He's had a bit of a slow start to the season, but I think this month's probably been his best month. I think he scored twice, got one assist, filled in different roles. Obviously, played wing back um, yesterday for, you know, played well against Sheffield Wednesday, um, did well at Reading with the assist. So I think Barkie for me.
2: Jim, um, I'm going to go with Ledson, the only man who's played every game this season or made appearances in every game this season. Um, Barkie. Notable mentioned, yeah. Two goals in his last three games. You know, started last three. Finally, just seems to have got his spot back, and hopefully, can you know keep this little bit of a, a scoring run going forward. You know, fingers crossed because I think it technically is probably one of the better finishes at the club. To be honest, with the Sinclair.
1: Yeah, we've said that in the past, haven't we? Um, yeah, I had I had Barky as well, but I think honorable mention for for Ryan Ladson. Yeah, let us know what you think on on Twitter for those sections. So again, I'll just run through them: uh, your best moment of the month, your worst moment of the month, your game of the month, your goal of the month, and your player of the month. Uh, finally, Bournemouth preview. They're um, they're a good side, especially at home, as as you mentioned before. earlier I think is it played six one five drawn one. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, similar to Watford, isn't it, really? Similar sort of game. Not what you want on a Tuesday night.
1: Especially on the back of the last two games that we've had.
3: Mm. Yeah, just just, just got a good side, haven't he? I think Jimmy said Solanke would be his top scorer or player of the year before the season started. I think he started quite well. Dan Juma, very good player. He's still got Brooks, Lerma. You know, they've got some good full-backs. Um, Sergio Rico's playing well. You got Smith on the other side, so they've been in the Premier League for you know a good five years, probably as well, similar to Watford, really. So just hope we got a couple of players in back at full back.
2: Yeah, Lewis Cook, obviously, I know him and Dan Giammer both missed out yesterday. Lewis Cook's a great centre midfielder, you know, made what 20 25 appearances in the Premier League last season from centre mid, just a good player. Yeah. I, I like Philip Bullying when he was at um, Huddersfield. I think they came to us on Boxing Day or New Year's Day, something like that. He just stood out. I think he was only about 18, 19 at the he time. He scored. But I think so. I can't remember. But I just said to I said to the lads I sit with, I said, he's a player him. He was yeah. I think it, you could I think they got beat. Is it not I think it was a game when Huddersfield were flying and everyone ran about and getting promoted and they came and we beat him. Yeah and Brown, last minute. Yeah. I and I was like He's a. You could just tell like he was head and shoulders above anything on the pitch. He was just like that. This lad here. It's like I know it sounds daft, but Dwight McNeil when he came on as a sub for Burnley in that pre-season game two years ago, I think it was, was like player. You could just tell like You can just tell that when someone's got something about him. And, um. So yeah, I, I like Philip that You know, I think he's got caps as well now for his country. He's got a strange country. It's like. <laughs> norwegian or danish something like that he's, a, he's I, i never associate them with being from scandinavia um but a good play, you know begovic keeper you know i think he got nearly 100 caps his country mm, um, Bosnian, bosnia yeah so just littered with with quality throughout the team you know sam surridge um barely getting off the bench david brooks just a, an unbelievable talent you know what he did at Sheffield United and that first season at, at, at Bournemouth. You know, just aside little quality, it's going to be a very similar game to Saturday in terms of we're up against it. You know, we've not got our full squad available, but we've just got to do what we can do and, you know, restore that little bit of pride and hopefully pick up a point or three. If we can, that'd be a, a nice journey home for you, George, once you eventually come back up here. But yeah, I'm, I'm guessing they're going to fly down Tuesday. Uh, I've not really heard about the travel plans, but I would presume yeah. that they'll train tomorrow as normal, and instead of going down tomorrow, they'll probably fly down Tuesday and then probably come back same night. But, you know, this is where it probably helps having Trevor as the owner because you can sort out flights like that. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting. Be interesting preparation wise. I think we at least because we're playing Tuesday, at least we've got that extra day's prep before Saturday, and especially if the guys are flying back as well Tuesday night recovery session will be Wednesday Thursday morning so yeah at least they've got 24 hours extra at Exton they probably would have had this time last month
1: might be able to utilise them bedrooms in
2: there that's what I mean, that's what they're for isn't it?
1: yeah exactly
0: yeah Yeah. Um, predictions then not quite as defeatist before this one as Watford, even though I think Bournemouth are... I think both ends of the table are stronger than a lot of people thought. I think... not sure there's... You can I think Rotherham everyone thought would uh, go down again. I'd, I'd back them to stay up. I think they're a pretty good side. Um, much better than when they've come up before. Uh, but, yeah, look, Bournemouth will be a very tough test. I wonder if he'll play Stockley, because Stockley used to play for Bournemouth, didn't he? Um, well, I think that'll be one who really wants to play whether it suits him I'm not too sure but I think he was going to start him against Sheffield Wednesday and, but he had sort of illness and he was going to start him at Norwich and got COVID well not didn't get COVID but had to pull out so that'll be interesting if he comes into the team um, but yeah prediction I'll go for <sighs> 2-1 Bournemouth back as the score Oli 3-0 Bournemouth
1: Jim
2: one
1: apiece. Yeah, I was gonna say one apiece, back us the score, and I think somehow how, we'll 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 keep it come, down.
3: How come you think we'll only concede one?
2: because Ben Davis <laughs> is back in the Ben Davis is back in the team. Alan Brown will be back in the team.
3: Yeah, true,
2: true. I think you've got play Rafferty's back available, isn't he? I know that probably doesn't appeal to you, Oli, but at least you've then you've got defenders available. Um yeah. So I think you're getting the, the dregs back in the nicest possible way. I think Alan Brown will go back to I think Alan Brown will start at right back. Um no idea if Josh Hale's available, but I think it'll be Rafferty at left back, I think we'll go with Davis and Bowers, two centre halves. And I can see his return to a bit more of normality in terms of our shape and system. And I think that'll probably help us. Um you can't underestimate how missing five potential full backs it, you know, hampered us yesterday. You know, we're and Barkey as wing backs. It just, you know, that first tenth, you know, conceding the goal so early as well, didn't help us. You know, look at pitch map of Sinclair and Barkey's positioning. Yeah, it's just like it was a back 5 were wasn't it, for the majority of the game? And you're playing with two wingers at at, at full back. Like it's just it hampered us so badly. So I just think let's, if we can get back to our usual shape, then we've, we might have a chance.
0: Yeah.
1: Cool. Right. Cheers, boys. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. And thank you, listener, for listening to episode 18 of the From the Finney podcast. Uh, Don't forget, you can donate to From the Finney and support us by going to supporter.acast.com forward slash From the Finney. And make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Yeah. Cheers, fellas. Ollie and Jim, I will speak to you both on Tuesday night. And George, it'll be a month's time. Big month. See you then. Big month.
2: Yeah. Very big. Safe month. travels, mate. Safe travels. We'll, yeah. we'll need to. Uh, we'll sort out a date before. Well, what we're we gonna do? We're we gonna do Christmas or? I haven't even week looked at Christmas? the picture calendar to be honest. I knew you wouldn't have. But we'll have to sort <laughs> out something, won't we?
1: Yeah, we will. So, well, I'm sure we'll sort something out. Cool stuff. Cool. Right. Cheers, boys. Thank you.